right. Hey, uh, a few months ago, Amber, my wife, and I celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary. Yeah, I'm shocked we made it that far, too, honestly. I mean, it's a big deal. We were pretty pumped to hit 15 years. And because this was such a big milestone, we thought, let's do this a big, you know? Like, when we had our honeymoon, we were poor college kids. And so we went to, like, Galveston, Texas, which, you guys, is pretty much the worst honeymoon spot you could ever imagine. And so thank you for being willing to do that, Amber. Um, And we decided, okay, since it's our 15, let's go to Europe. Wouldn't it be amazing to go to Southern Europe and travel through all of those countries? I mean, like, France and Italy. We ate Italy. Like, basically, it's gone. The country's not even there, you guys. So if you want to go, sorry, no food left. We ate every ounce of pasta that was in that country. We had such an amazing trip. We were there for two weeks. There was so much for us to see and experience while we were there. But one of the things that we found ourselves doing a lot during our two-week tour of uh, Southern Europe was visiting ancient churches. And so I've got some pictures here on the screen. These are actually the pictures that I took of some of the churches that we were at. So we stood in front of those particular um, buildings and, and we got to walk through them and be totally blown away by how gorgeous they are. Some of these churches were 15 and 1600 years old and they're still standing after all this time. They were unbelievably beautiful edifices. Like they, everything was wrapped in gold and, you know, precious jewels and mosaics and there were all these like gorgeous tiles. It was just, it was incredible. It was so beautiful to see these things. And not only were they gorgeous and like really expensive, I'm sure they were massive. There was one church that we went into and it seated 60,000 people at one time. That's nuts. This theater seats 323 people. So can you imagine being inside of a gloriously large and beautiful church knowing they could fit 60,000 people in here? That is absolutely nuts. Now, although I'm a Christian pastor, I have to tell you guys, as I was walking through all of these church buildings, I was really confused. I, I, I walked in and I'm like, I don't know what the rules are here. What are all these different parts of the building, right? Because there was this section over here where obviously one thing happened and there was another part over here where something else happened. I didn't have a clue how these buildings were laid out and why they were laid out the way that they were. One interesting thing is that in some of these churches, you're not allowed to speak. No lie. If you go in as a visitor, you have to shh, be silent. And even if you whisper, Back and forth with your spouse, somebody is literally in the corner saying, shh, no talking. I'm like, why not? Really? I'm not allowed to speak in the church. Some places you could take photos, some places you couldn't. Some places you were free to go, some places you had to be a priest in order to go inside of. There were all these gorgeous mosaics and they told stories of people and I had no idea who these people were. I was completely out of my element when I walked into these ancient and really, really beautiful church buildings. Now, I started thinking, and I was talking with my wife about this, and it occurred to me that I had not felt that out of place in church since I was 16 years old. And when I was 16, I went to church for the very first time, but I didn't go to one of these amazing, huge, gorgeous, expensive, you know, mega ancient churches. Instead, I went to a tiny little Baptist church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And I remember when I first walked into that tiny little church, I was confused then too. I was like, why is everybody standing and then sitting? 
doing? Why are we singing all of these songs together? Why are people putting money in that plate as it goes down the aisle? Why do we have to listen to this one guy bore us for 30 minutes? Like, I don't understand anything that's going on at this church service. I felt completely confused and out of my element. And then it occurred to me, That although Connect is as informal as it is, and you guys understand, the way that we do church here at Connect is on purpose. It is informal, it's low church, it's supposed to be easily accessible, and we do that for a reason. But it occurred to me that even as informal as Connect Church is, there might be a lot of you guys, and you feel just as out of place in the theater today as I did in these very, very large and beautiful ancient church buildings. You're kind of wondering, like, what is all this about? Why do we do this thing that we call church on Sundays? And why does this church service look so different from a lot of the other ones? For instance, maybe you've wondered in the past, or you're wondering even today, why do we meet in a movie theater instead of a cathedral? I thought churches met in very beautiful, large, like kind of awe-inspiring buildings. So why is it that we meet in the Cross Iron Mill Cineplex? It's kind of strange, isn't it? Why is it that the music looks the way that it does? Why is it that some churches you walk into and everybody is the same color and culture, and yet you walk into Connect and you see people literally from all around the world? Why is it that this church is the way that it is. Those questions, I think, are really important. You might wonder, why do we call you Pastor Dan instead of Father Dan, right? What's that all about? Are you a priest or your pastor? What's the difference? All these questions that you might have as you enter into Connect Church, maybe for the first time or the first time in a really, really long time. And today, the reason that I'm telling you all of this is because we're starting a brand new series, and I'm so, so excited about it because this series is called Church defined. And what I want to do is I want to help you to understand what the Bible really says church is supposed to be. And I want to show you the ways that Connect Church gets it right. And I also want to show you the ways that Connect Church gets it very wrong. And I want to show you how other faiths, they get this idea of what church is supposed to be. They get it a little bit wrong. Now, I can tell you, this is not going to be me standing up here for the next 30 minutes telling you about us, Connect Church. That's actually not what this is going to be. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to allow the scripture to tell us about ourselves. This is actually a story. This is actually a teaching. This is hopefully a revelation even for some of you about what we are supposed to be as Connect Church 2019 in Balzac, Canada. I think, I really do think, this series has the power to change the way that you view church. And I think as a result, some of you are going to take your place in this big, beautiful family of God. So I'm going to put a, a, a truth here on the screen. This is something that I think most churches get wrong, but this is what we have to understand if we're going to really recognize what church is supposed to be and why Jesus started this whole movement called church. And so the truth that I've got there on the screen for you is that church is the people, not the place. How many guys knew that? Okay, a few of you did. Some of you are like, wait, what? 
Are you serious? Yes, totally serious. Church is the people and not the place. Let me read a few verses for you. I've got three short verses here on the screen, and I want you to follow along with me as we read them. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says this, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? For God's temple is holy, and you are that holy temple. Oh, that's kind of weird, man. Acts chapter number 17, verse 24, Peter, one of the original 12 apostles, he's talking about God in heaven and what God is like. And he says in this verse, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in man-made temples. And then I'll point you towards one more verse. Ephesians chapter number two, verses 20. The Bible says, together we are God's house. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and the cornerstone of this house is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Listen, when we think about church, usually in 2019, we think about a place, don't we? We think about a building. We think about a location, a street address. We talk about going to church. So maybe some of you had friends that were like, hey, you want to hang out on Sunday? You're like, oh, I can't. My niece is getting dedicated. I got to go to church, right? You said, I'm going to church. Church is at the Cross Iron Mills Cineplex, or church is at a particular street address in Airdrie or in a different part of the city of Calgary. We tend to think When we think about church, we tend to think of it in terms of a location, a spot in which church is and in which church happens. And then we might also add a few other layers to that idea or conception of church. We might also talk about things like leadership, who who leads the church. We might talk about budgets. We might talk about um, ministries that we have. And so we tend to think of church in, in our mind, we tend to think of it as a location and an organization. It is a location and an organization. But can I tell you something? The Bible never, ever, 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 ever uses the word church to describe a particular location or an organizational structure. Some of you guys say, I'm opposed to organized religion. Well, apparently so is the Bible because every single time Jesus and his earliest followers, every single time they talk about church, they are not talking about a place. They are always talking about a people because people are the church. The place where the church meets actually doesn't even matter at all. In fact, this word church, we'll put it here on the screen for you. In English, we use the word church. And that's a translation of a Greek word that Jesus used in the New Testament. And the Greek word that he used is ekklesia. And that word ekklesia, it means a specific place where people go to worship their God. Nope. The word ecclesia means a group of people who are called out for a specific purpose. 
Now, next week, we're actually going to talk a lot about what this means to be a group of people that are called out for a specific purpose. In fact, I'll go ahead and give you the bottom line next, uh, for next Sunday, just in case it entices you to come back and hear more. Next week, we're going to talk about the fact that the church is a mission, not an event. Okay? But we'll get there next week. For now, I just want to point out, church is a group of people. The very definition of church is not place. It is always us together. People are the church. Now that might seem like a pretty small thing, but can I tell you, it's actually huge. This is so big. If you start to think about church as a group of people set apart for a specific mission, it will change how you look at church. It will change why you go to church or why you don't go to church. In fact, I'll tell you this idea that church or the gathering of people is, is a group of people and not a place. It is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Because in every other religion, if you want to go and be near to God, you have to go to a specific place. You have to find a temple. And in the temple, depending on the religion, either that's where God lives or that's where you go so that you can be closer to him. So if you wanted, for instance, I'll put a few different uh, uh, temples here on the screen. If you wanted to worship God as a Jew in Judaism, you would go to the Temple Mount. Jewish people believe the Temple Mount is one of those places that is particularly sacred and holy. And if you wanna be close to God, that's your best bet. You better go there. If you're a Muslim, then you have to make a hajj to Mecca. If you wanna be close to God, then you go to a holy city. And in that holy city, you will have access and opportunity to connect with God. You go to a place in order to find God. If you're a Mormon, you gotta make that trip to the Great Salt Lake Temple. Utah's pretty nice though, I'm not gonna lie. It's a beautiful place. And that building is one of the most gorgeous temples on the planet. But if you wanna worship as a, uh, as a Mormon, you go either to your local temple or eventually on to the Great Salt Lake Temple. If you're a Hindu, you're gonna trek through the Himalayas. You're going to go find a location, a spot in which God is residing. But can I tell you, every single time the Bible talks about temples in the New Testament, it is not talking about a building. It is always talking about believers. So believe it or not, the temple in Christianity is Derek Enns. He is a temple of God. My dean is a temple of God. Even that goofball in the middle, you guys. He is a temple of God. This is mind-blowing because a temple is a holy and consecrated place, but a church is a holy and consecrated people. So for as long as you look at church as this one-hour gathering that happens on Sunday, or you think about church as this beautiful cathedral dedicated to the glory of God, you will miss out on what the New Testament says church actually is. Now, buildings are not bad. They're beautiful. There's nothing wrong with having a nice building, but we have to be so careful that we never allow ourselves to believe that God is limited to the particular building that we happen to be meeting in. The, the Bible tells us God does not dwell in buildings. He dwells in believers. 
Okay, so why does any of this matter? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple of thoughts and we're gonna wrap this up. This is such an important thought, whether you're a believer or you're a skeptic, whether you've been a Christian for years and years and years or you're just kind of approaching this for the first time, this is such a great notion, conception of what church actually means. Because it means, if this is true, if God dwells in buildings, uh, or God doesn't dwell in buildings, but instead he dwells in particular, particular believers, it means that God is closer than you realize. God is closer than you realize. Again, if you want to worship in another religious system, you have to go somewhere. You have to get in your car and drive and find the temple and parking and all those different things so that you can have some sort of encounter with God. But in truth, if you read what the scripture has to say on the subject, all of us have 24-7 access to God. You don't have to wait until 10 a.m. on Sunday morning in order to have a relationship with God. You don't have to be in a gorgeous um, facility in order to have a relationship with God. It's much less organic and decentralized and unstructured than all of that. God is closer than almost any of us actually realize. God is not on house arrest. He's not confined to one particular address where we have to go visit him. Instead, the Bible tells us that he is present and with every single believer. He dwells in all of us who are followers of Jesus. And can I tell you that there is no other caveat beyond believer in that statement. Like God's spirit dwells in believers and he invites you who may not believers yet to become a temple, to become a part of the church, to have a relationship with him. But beyond that one standard of whether you're a believer or not, there is nothing else that separates you from God. This means that God dwells equally in men and women. He does. God's spirit can live um, equally in young people and old people. God's spirit dwells equally in rich people and in poor people. God's spirit lives equally in brown people and in white people. God's spirit lives equally in somebody who just gives their heart to him 10 minutes ago and somebody who's been following him for decades and decades and decades. God is so close. One of the things the Bible calls God, one of the names or titles that's given to him is Emmanuel. And it literally means God is with us. Again, I hope you see how life-changing, how, how, how different that would make a relationship with God or, or a connection or, a, or being a part of a church. It would be totally different. If you started to believe that, no, 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 God doesn't live in a place. He doesn't live in an organization. He doesn't live in the leadership. He actually lives fully and equally in every single person who is one of his followers. So incredible. He's closer than you think he is. I'll tell you one other thing this means. It means that God is not some distant observer to the things that have happened in your life. Because sometimes we get the idea that God is like, I don't know, he's up in heaven or on some sort of other dimensional plane, or maybe he's down the street at the church with a nice building. I don't know, but he ain't here with me. Whatever I've got going on, all the things that have happened, the day-to-day grind, my worst days, it doesn't feel like God is with me. Yes, he is. God 
is with us. He dwells with us. So he's not over here looking at what happens and he's like, you know, in your life and he's like, eh, that's what you get. Should have obeyed. Or he's not like, darn it, I wish I could do something to help you, but you know, you're way over there and eh. no. God experiences everything that we go through. The same emotions that we feel God feels. Where do you think we get our emotions from in the first place? They're from God himself. God is with us. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's been done to you. I don't know what regrets you carry around in life, but I can tell you that even on your worst days, God is with you because God dwells in people, not in a particular place. God's closer than any of us realize. It also means that every single believer has full access to God's presence and power. Every single believer, every single Christian, everybody, whether you've been to seminary or not, whether you know the songs that we sing on Sunday or you don't, whether you could tell me what the books of the Bible are or you can't, whether you've prayed in the last week or you haven't, every single Christian on the planet has equal access to God's presence and his power. So let me tell you how this plays out. Because again, in, in many religions, if you want to have some sort of connection with God, not only do you have to go to a particular place in order to connect with God, in most religious thought, God is so other. He is so different. He is so separate from us flawed, you know, sinful, terrible people. And, and connecting with him requ requires so many different rituals and prayers and sacrifices. Who can even keep up? What ends up happening in most religious systems is we need a special group of people who will rise up. They'll dedicate themselves to holiness. They'll dedicate themselves to learning the rituals and the prayers and the sacrifices that have to be offered. And if you, as just a normal everyday person, if you want to have a connection with God, you have to go to the professionals. So you would go to a temple and a priestess would make a sacrifice on your behalf because you're not qualified. You don't know how to do it. Let the pros handle it. Or you would go to a, a church or a temple and you would confess your sins to a priest and the priest would be the intermediary between you and God because you're broken, you're messed up, you're sinful. There's no way that you could talk directly to God yourself, right? In all of these religious systems, we need somebody to stand in between us. But if God lives inside of all of us, we don't need a mediator. God is with us. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Timothy, there's only one mediator between God and mankind. It's Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you can talk to God yourself. You don't need me to come pray for you. Do you understand that? You don't need me as the pastor of Connect Church to come and to pray over you because God hears your prayers just as much as he hears mine. When I graduated and I got ordained to become a pastor, can I tell you, they didn't give me any cheat codes to prayer. It's not like, okay, here are the magic words, Dan. If you say these, then God will hear you. But don't tell anybody else, this is just for the pros. No, God hears me in the same way he hears you. That means the same spirit that is teaching me the scripture is present for you as well. You can read and learn the scripture just as well as I can. God's spirit dwells inside of you. 
And that means that you have access to his presence and his power. Don't ignore that. Don't overlook how amazing that is. The Bible tells us here in, in 1 Timothy, First Peter rather, in First Peter, the scripture says, you are living stones. This is again, continuing this temple metaphor that you are the temple of God. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his one wonderful light. You, as crazy as this sounds, if you're a Christian, you're a priest. So the next time, you know, you're at a dinner party or something and somebody's like, so what do you do? You're like, oh, I'm a priest. They'll get really uncomfortable, you know? They'll be like, well, but it's true. You're a priest. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have direct access to God because God has indwelt you as his temple here on earth. One last thing, if God's dwelling place is believers and not buildings, if God lives in people and not just in places, it means that the place, the particular location that any gathering of Christians might meet really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You wanna know why we meet in a movie theater? Because it was available. That's it. Listen, there are churches around the world. There are Christians who meet in these unbelievably expensive and beautiful cathedrals. Fine. In South America, church often happens outside under a tree. In the first century, the only place that Christians had to worship God because Christianity was illegal. In the first century, the only place that they had to worship were the Roman catacombs, which were underground cemeteries. Literally, they would have church in boneyards in the sewers of the city. It does not matter where we meet. What matters is that two or three of us are gathered together in the name of Jesus and his presence and his power is there with us. It's not because we meet in a beautiful facility. We don't. It's not because you have the best preacher on the planet. You don't. It's not because we have all the money in the world. We don't. But what we do have is God with us. We have sticky floors, not stained glass windows. It's okay. It's okay because God is with us. Listen, we don't own this building. We rent it out for a few hours on Sunday, but you know what? God is with us and he owns everything on planet earth, including this facility. Our incense as a congregation is the smell of buttered popcorn. You just come, you come to the movies on Friday night and you're like, smells like church. And I think God loves it. I think God loves it because he is not bound and restricted by any particular location. God lives in believers and not in buildings. You'll find God in people and not in any particular place. God is with you. That changes the way you view God and it changes the way you view his church. Now I know some of you are here and you're like, all right, all right, all right. Like, not bad. I can, I can get behind the idea that God is with me. I like that. And, and I can get behind the idea that I have direct access to God. I don't need to go through some priest or something like that. That's all good. You might even like church as I've described it to you this morning. But in the back of your mind, you may also have some thoughts or some questions, some doubts and some fears that are rolling around. And you say, I like all this. It sounds great, Dan, but you don't know me. 
You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't know what I was up to over the weekend. I'm not so sure that I would fit in in a church. I don't think this is the place for me. Can I, first of all, if those thoughts are going through your mind, can I applaud you for your honesty? Like seriously, I think it's wonderful that even if it's just between you and God, you recognize, I'm not sure I'm the most religious person in the world, so maybe I shouldn't be a part of a church, or I'm not qualified to be a part of a church. But can I tell you, the fact that you have those thoughts in your mind actually means that you are ready for a relationship with God. The only thing that that will prevent you from having a relationship with God is the belief that you don't need a relationship with God. If you want one, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, God can be with you too. I'm gonna read you one last verse here. This is it, I promise. First Peter chapter number two, verse four through six. The Bible says, you are coming to Christ. You're not coming to a church you're not a building, you're not coming to an organization, you're not coming to a pastor, you're not coming to a religion. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. No one who trusts in him will be turned away. There's so much good stuff happening at Connect Church. People's lives are being changed. They're finding freedom and finding purpose and all of these different things. And I'm telling you, it's not because they're perfect. They're not. There's not a single person in this auditorium that is perfect or good or righteous or holy. If God were to take any of us, including the dude in the spotlight right now, if God were to take all of my good and all of my bad and he were to put it on some sort of cosmic scale, I am 100% convinced that I would have more bad than good. 100% convinced that I have done more wrong in my life than I have good. If you don't believe that I am not the most holy person in this auditorium, uh, or if you believe that I am, just ask our staff, okay? They've been around me enough. They know that, yeah, he gets it wrong probably even more often than he gets it right. So a relationship with God is not based on us. It's based on Jesus. A relationship with God is not because you've got your act together and so now you're gonna take your place inside of this museum of people that call themselves the church. No, our entire church, our entire faith system, it is not based on us, it is based on Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone. He's the one who was straight when we did wrong. He's the one who obeyed when we disobeyed. He is the one that we base our lives on and after. I'm not here because I'm a good person. I'm here because Jesus was good when I couldn't be. And so if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I I could get behind this idea of a relationship with God with church, but I'm afraid that I'm not a good enough person. Guess what? You're not. And none of us are. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to be the cornerstone on which we can base our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. And so I'm going to give some of you the opportunity to respond in faith to Jesus today, to ask him to be the Lord and the savior of your life, to recognize that it's not based on you, it's based on him. You want to take part in this family, this living temple that is literally changing lives. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and you will repeat just a simple prayer after me. You can say it out loud, you can say it quietly in your heart. It doesn't matter, God can hear you either way because he dwells within us. You might say, Jesus, 
I need your forgiveness and I need a fresh start. I want to be a part of your church, your family, your temple. So I give myself to you today and I trust that you love me just as I am. I pray this in your name, amen. My friends, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, you have become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Life from this point changes because you have a relationship with God that's not based on your behavior. It's based on his love and his character. For the rest of you, I hope you see yourself as the church of Christ. And we'll continue to talk about how God invites us into this mission to go out into the world, to not hang out and just do the church thing in the theater, but instead to go out and to change the world for the better because that's the whole reason he put us here in the first place. 